Welcome to episode 24 of the WebJoy podcast. I'm your host, Eddie, and in this podcast, we interview guests about their origin story and what makes them excited and joyful to be part of the tech community. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It was like a game of chicken with Hussein Kayoun. Welcome to another episode of WebJoy. I'm excited today to have Hussein with us. Hussein, say hi to the community. Yeah, hi everyone. Happy to be here. Well, I'd like to start off with having you kind of introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Where do you work? A brief intro. Sure. Yeah. So again, my name is Hussein. I'm in Toronto, Canada. I've been a developer for close to 10 years professionally. I've been working in a lot of startups, mostly as a full stack developer. Also, uh, I focus a lot on the front end recently, especially with React. Currently, my role is a staff engineer at Shopify. It's a fairly large tech company in Canada, and it's a global company as well. So I've been there for around uh, eight months now. And I also mentor part-time for a company called Springboard, which is an online bootcamp. Yeah, so that's in terms of my work. Generally speaking, um, I would say that I'm also very active on Twitter, started a YouTube channel recently. But uh, about me, mostly my work is at Shopify, mostly doing front-end. So you've been in tech a little while now. How did you get started, right? What was the first thing that made you think, hey, I want to I wanna do software development. I want to build stuff. Yeah, so for me, it was a little strange. I didn't actually want to be a software engineer at all. <laughs> I studied at uh, the University of Toronto here. There's like a program called electrical engineering. So in high school, I was very good at math and physics. So I thought, okay, this would make sense. You know, go into engineering, math and physics galore, right? The problem is like this program had, it was Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering. So what I didn't realize is you'd have to take a lot of computer courses as well. So <laughs> my first programming course was, was, was a nightmare. I've talked about this even on Twitter a lot. Like it was the worst mark. It was like 54%. I barely passed. It was just like, I just didn't get it. I didn't understand how to study for it, how it worked. I just, it didn't follow the same rules as what I've been used to for so long. Right. Like I've even taken like I've classic English courses where you have to read a book. Like I hated those, but I knew how to study for them. I just didn't know how to study for programming. So that's why I struggled with it a lot. What ended up happening was in my second year, I knew I had to take two more of these. And something in me kind of hit me where I said to myself, this isn't about being good at it because I see a lot of kids like be very, very good at it from the beginning. I thought, I guess they're just good at it because just like I'm just good at math and physics, but that's not true. What was true was you got to put some time and effort into it and to really understand it. And that's why that's what ended up kind of happening for me and ended up being my best mark in my second year compared to all the other courses I had in engineering. So that's when I kind of eventually got an internship at IBM to be a, like kind of a Java developer. And that's how things uh, kicked off for me. It's an interesting journey, like just kind of stumbling into it because your degree made you take some courses and you actually found out, hey, this is this is pretty fun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like you don't really build anything in university or college, but you know, at least you learn what programming is and uh, you're challenged a lot, like through these courses that like compilers, operating systems, you get algorithms and data structures, you get like just writing things that you, you know, you'd never write like assembly, but like they're very, very challenging and you end up being making cool stuff like moving robots and stuff like that. You don't really know what's going on at the time. You're just because you have like 500 other courses going on and you just kind of get <laughs> by. So like, I wish I did computer science in retrospect. That would have been in an easier school, 
that would have been my choice. If I could go back again, I'd, I'd go to the, find the, the one, the, the easiest program, go take computer science. I could end up where I am today easily, probably faster. So you got an internship at IBM. You kind of mentioned you've done a lot of, you know, startups and stuff like that. So what did that journey kind of look like from your internship at IBM to now being at Shopify? If you kind of zoom out and look at the trajectory there and like, what kinds of things you did and what kind of things you pursued. What did that look like? I thought that like, for example, I I thought that after IBM, that was between my third and fourth year, I did like a year and four months. I thought that would like set me up. But what I didn't know was that like, I didn't really learn as much at that company that I could have. It was kind of like intern life is kind of just like, you know, when you're not pushed as much in a big company, you don't like learn as much. So I was doing a lot of like a little bit of development, but a lot of IT admin as well. And that was the easier stuff to do that I learned a lot, which was good. But like pure development, I kind of was maybe like 30% of my job there, maybe 40 sometimes. It could have been more if I wanted it. I just wasn't pushed towards that. So that led me to kind of like after I graduated, I struggled a lot with interviews. I remember there was an interview in particular where the guy just told me to leave. Like he's like, you don't know anything. Just go. Right. So oh my like, gosh. Yeah, yeah. There was stuff like that. And I ended up, you know, I was low on confidence. Thankfully, what happened was I interviewed for a programming position where I almost got it. They just gave it to somebody a little bit better. And then they told me, listen, we like the cut of your jib, Hussein. Uh, My brother owns a company across the street, very small, and he's looking for an IT guy. So that's how I originally got in, in the IT kind of world there. It was just a very small startup, but I was very lucky in the first like five, six months, they transitioned into a, a software company. So they were building like Shopify apps. So within those few months, oh, wow. I got, instead of being the only IT developer guy there, they hired like two senior, very senior people. So I was working under them. And in fact, there was three senior people. So I was working under them right away. And they quickly knew I was bad because I haven't done this really before. Put me on a pit plan that I survived because, you know, I'm, I can learn fast. It just, I wasn't that good when I started. So I learned very fast and... I was there for like just, I think, two years in that company before the, it went out of business. I worked with people that are very good. I learned like Java Spring, PHP, Python Django, like jQuery Angular. Like I was building real stuff. So that was really cool. Then on, that's when I went to my next startup, which was uh, called Chef Hero. That I kind of started from the ground floor. Like they just, I literally went on AngelList, which is a cool way of finding a job. It's going angel list. It's like a list of startups that are just starting out. And I started messaging people. I'm like, hey, can I interview here? And they were just starting out. They just hired like the first two developers, Python developer, a little backend developer and an Android developer. And I came in as a front end developer, right? But mostly full, like doing full stack at that point. So that company kind of grew and shrunk, grew and shrunk. It was a cool company. Like I think it's called uh, Notch now. That journey, just starting off with the condo, then going to a joint workspace and eventually going into like our own office, and seeing the growth of a company, raising money, struggling. That job, five and a half years, it taught me everything. Because first year and a half, eventually I became more senior. And then a senior developer from there, eventually I became a manager in the last two years. Very different skill from being a developer. So that was two years of management. I managed up to like 10 people at one point. So learning like very, very fast. Some things maybe, you know, like I think to myself, I probably could have switched after like two years, which, you know, maybe would have been better for my career. But also I gained a lot, like it opened up a lot of opportunities for me, especially when I left there and was going into Shopify. I couldn't assess my skills. 
I didn't know like how good am I? Do I suck? Like after a while when you're in a job, you just don't know if you're good. So I had a, I had eight months off in between that job and Shopify. Like I took a lot of time off after five and a half years. It was awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Then what happened was, you know, interview time came. So I studied all this algo stuff. I did all this kind of stuff. I, like I was prepared. I did everything. You know, I did any company that came my way. I applied Facebook, Reddit, Uber, Shopify, Twilio, everything that I could get, you know, got a lot of rejections as well. Like 30 companies in total that I applied for or got like some kind of like I spoke to some kind of person, at least maybe the HR interview. So very cool there. What ended up happening was I got nine offers. Like I did 11 on sites and I got nine of those offers. And it was really humbling because like I'd never thought like I would reject a senior developer at Uber ever in my life. Never. Yeah. I never thought that would ever happen. Right. So Shopify for me was the choice because I thought it would be good for my learning. The manager was one of my previous managers from the last company. He was there for about two years and he said, Hey, come try out for the interview. See what happens. If you pass, you're on my team. I, you know, so at that point I'd done so many interviews. I did like Uber and Shopify at the end and I ended up being very, like very comfortable. And I had already so many offers uh, that I never like imagined. And the funniest thing about the whole thing was when people gave me an offer, I'd be like, listen, I can't accept it. Like, well, you got two days. Well, sorry, I, I, I need to do more. I need to look at and, and what ended up happening, people would just add more money. It was so funny. It was like this game of like chicken. It was just, it would just be like, all right, here you go. Hey, come to the doctor, the VP. Here's a bonus. Here's this. So I've, I've never seen anything or experienced like that, something like that in my life. So it really kind of was a good boost of confidence. Although when I did start the job at Shopify, I was like, shit, like I'm a staff engineer. Like, this is hard. Like, what is a staff engineer really? And uh, can I do this? Well, people just know that I suck. Like, you know, you go through that classic imposter syndrome thing and it takes a few months to get comfortable. And they, they're very much a company that allows you to get comfortable and they understand it takes a couple, a few months, like three to six months. So around the four month mark, I was very comfortable. So, and now it's been eight months. Like I'm very happy with, with the way my progress is going. Yeah, that's that's how it's been for me. It wasn't always like very awesome, like clear cut. Like I know people out of school, they got like Amazon, started off at like six figures. I right after school, that was not me. It was a lot harder to get there. I can totally relate to that. I had very similar journey of like just working with random startups, uh, most of them that don't exist and didn't pay me much money at all. You know, it was much more informal and stuff. And then some different different medium sized companies. And like you said, I in this last year, joined Glassdoor as a lead front-end engineer. And like, you get in there and you're like, what am I doing at this company? And to your point, right? Like, I'm not even like, I'm above senior. And so I was like, what do these people expect from me? And you start looking around, you're like, I'm surrounded by amazing people. Like, what am I doing here? Like, this is crazy. But yeah, it's great because the culture sounds very similar. They just, they give you the time to get your bearings. And within so many months, like, Definitely, like you said, four, five, six months, like you're suddenly feeling settled and you're suddenly one of the people at that company. And you're like, I have no idea how this happened, but it's awesome. Yeah, that's how I would say it. just kind of one day it's like, wow, like I remember I was doing a, some code and I remember something like that would have taken me like a week to do when I first joined. And I was like panicking, like how about how slow I was. And at one point, like a month ago, I just did it in like two hours. And I was like, I think I'm getting the hang of it now. <laughs> that's awesome. When I started at Glassdoor, they were like, hey, you should, like, we just want you to get familiar with things. So we just want you to change the translation of what these words are supposed to be. Like, change the English words, put it through the system so that we'll get the translations to the other languages, 
and ship it. Really easy. You should be able to push for the first week. It took me like three weeks to get like two words translated. Like the internationalization was just a crazy area to work on. And I have never felt so insecure in my life that I couldn't ship in three weeks changing words, like changing words. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely feel like that's basically my first task was like that very much, like especially writing the tests. Mm. Like it was a very like, I was like, how do these even work? It was like all like kind of very mouth to mouth kind of knowledge or mouth by mouth knowledge, whatever they call it, until I could finally figure out like, I would say that at least, you know, later in your career, that it's how to get something. So now like mm. I do think that a feature that was like very involved and involved a lot of people and a lot of teams. And I'm very good at hunting down the people I need and getting the information that I want. Now, what I ended up doing was thinking like, this was so difficult. I need to write this down for the next person. So I ended up updating some today for a long time. And I'm just like, okay, the next person that comes and does this shouldn't take them two weeks or a week and a half. It should take them a day maximum based on this information. That, that was my goal. Let's see if it happens. I hope it does. And they shouldn't be able to talk to all these people and take up their time. And like I, I message a lot of people a lot, right? So that's why I realized like maybe you get better at getting the information at least. Maybe you'll be slow at the beginning, but maybe somebody who's just starting out would be overwhelmed and doesn't even know how to get that information, how to even do it. Like for example, one of the biggest things at Shopify that I've been very, very surprised by, Slack is basically my stack overflow sometimes. And Slack is only like, I think it only saves stuff for like a couple of months. So I would like search up an exact error and put it on Slack search and then see somebody discussing it on a Slack channel somewhere and they would have the solution. And I was just like, that's incredible. <laughs> like, that's not even the way you're supposed to do it. Like there's all these, like there were our own Stack Overflow board and stuff like that. But just like, I'm like, okay, this error showed up. I don't know what it means. Put it here. Somebody had it. <laughs> you know? So I was like, this is insane, right? So, cause there's so many people. Exactly. Once you start working at a company with that many engineers, like people are running into the same issues as opposed to smaller startups, right? Where we're oftentimes the only people working on this kind of a problem. Yeah. And uh, one step further, I know that somebody was working with a drag and drop kit, I think D&D kit, and they were just like struggling on it. And then they're like, wait a second, look at the guy who made this. He works at Shopify. <laughs> Let me just message this guy. So that's that's also something that might happen, which I find pretty amazing. And they've hired people like recently, like the creator of Preact uh, works there. Nice. And uh, I think a guy named Surma was pretty, uh, uh, I think, well-known in Google. He was a big kind of like tech speaker there. So he just joined. So you see a lot of like high-level people like that, that uh, you can kind of just message. So obviously you've experienced, right, both working at some bigger companies, IBM, Shopify, and some smaller startups. I guess what to you were the differences between working at the startups and working at the big companies? What were the things you enjoyed about the smaller companies? And what did you enjoy about working at the larger companies? Yeah, like small companies, you feel like attached to what you're building so much because you were there from the beginning. You wrote those first lines of code. There's that attachment. There's culture as well. Like you very much shape it because you're the person who does it. And then you also realize you then don't shape it anymore. Other people come and, and they shape it. And then you're like, well, what about what I did? You know, so there's these things that happen at small companies, like nuances in culture, nuances mm-hmm. in technology and how that adapts and you getting more engineers and and then teaching you stuff that you thought like you knew stuff and then you don't. 
it's very much like, okay, they tell you, yeah, you wear a lot of hats. I wear a lot of hats at Shopify as well. In startups, like depending on the size of it, right? Because startups are different levels of funding. So early stage, I think, is the ones I've worked for is, yeah, you have to do a lot. Like pretty much like the front end app I built from scratch. I just literally, I made every mistake possible with React. Every single mistake that you could make with React, I made on that code base. But I learned. So I learned a lot. Like I learned now, like I know how to, I know Webpack configurations. I know React very well, like Reef, Reflux, Redux, all this stuff, tools like monitoring, Sentry, Log. I got to do a lot of experimentation because they're like, listen, as long as the app works and you're getting your features done and it's not breaking, like do whatever you want. So that's pretty much something that you could do at a startup that at a bigger company, you're a bit worried, right? Like I can't break this code base for, like I'm changing a package soon and I'm already like, thinking of like backup of backup of backup rollout plans, right? Because you have to be careful more. Like there's the code base is more complicated. You can't just do whatever you want. And it's not necessarily a negative thing. It's also another learning experience that you you know how to roll something out on a, on a higher level. In startups, there's a lot more fun that way. Like I literally like Fridays, I would just experiment with new things. I'd look at like JavaScript or React Weekly and be like, oh, that's a cool package. Let's see how it works. Uh, you do have little experiments. I'm like, oh, like how does Redux Saga work? How does RxJS work with Redux? I know like stuff like that. I got to experiment and learn a lot of things, testing libraries and all that, all that stuff. So that very much for me was was a big difference. And uh, big companies, I don't remember much of IBM, although it was more corporate culture, I guess, even though you didn't have to dress that way. But it was awesome. Like big companies, there's perks, pretty much like they're awesome. And it's just kind of like you, it's startups, like you're, you're strapped for cash a lot of times. For example, I just got sent on a conference last month. And after that conference, I went to Seattle to meet up for a big team event. It was the place they rented near there was, was amazing. Like this resort was incredible. I'm going to London for a team meetup, like UK again, like in, in the next week. So these are the kind of stuff that are really awesome. That's just kind of like are part of the job. You know, it's not like just having fun, like you, you know, do team planning and stuff, but it's like cool to do it instead of just like in an office downtown, do it in the yeah. UK and explore the city. So those are really great kind of perks that like I think big companies can offer you as well that I haven't experienced. Maybe they're not a big deal to people, but I find that awesome that just like, that, you know, it adds and just makes you a little more comfortable on the job, I find, you know, in addition to like you still work as hard. Yeah, absolutely. So... One thing you mentioned earlier that I'm kind of curious about outside of your working time, you know, you mentioned that you mentor, you mentor part time. So I was just kind of curious, you know, obviously, it seems like mentoring would be something if you're doing it out of time, something that you're passionate about, something that you're excited about. So what do you do there? You know, what kind of inspired you to get involved in it? I think the first thing is um, I like to teach people. I think uh, I could be a good teacher is my feeling about myself. I don't know if that's true. You know, at least like, you know, I know that I'm not a good singer. I could be honest with myself <laughs> and be like, listen, I, I'm terrible at singing. But for teaching, I think I have something there. Like I, I like to explain concepts to people of different levels and to uh, see them understand something is very satisfying for me. So I wanted to always be a boot camp teacher, but I couldn't land something like that. So during the pandemic, we had a little time think we got a little pay cut at my last company just for like a brief period of time you know we were in the food industry and the startups in the startup world so it was tough yeah so i was like okay where can i get a little more income maybe i can explore something so i went on codementor.io 
cool site. It was like on-demand mentoring. So I was exploring all this stuff while applying to different mentoring jobs just to see what's up. So I ended up getting like three really cool opportunities from that. Code Mentor itself, I was, you know, first to get in to this kind of freelancing kind of world. I, I have years of experience, but you know, you have zero reviews. Nobody knows anything about you. So I did basically the first like two, three mentoring jobs for free. I just kind of just like, I remember this guy had like a really pesky bug. And that's my favorite thing is to tackle a bug. And we spent like two, three hours on it. I didn't charge anything almost like just like minimum. Like I'm just like, give me $2 so I can get a review. I just want five-star reviews. So I, we figured it out and he was like, wow. It was like very pesky, like no thing. You know what I mean? Like just basic debugging skills where you learn over the years of how to like narrow things down into like what could be the cause and and like pretty much like have a first like sh- educated guess about where it might be. And eventually you find it out. And that's like kind of like nice with debugging skills. So he eventually is like, hey, here's 50 bucks because you just helped me so much. Like, you're amazing. Like, I put in so much work. And and eventually I did a couple more of these until I got like three or four or five star ratings. And then I could charge. And I did it for a while. It was nice. Although there's like a lot of weird pressures with it of like every time you have to show up and you're worried about this review. It is just kind of like it, it bogs you down. So that's when I got like two opportunities. One from Code Mentor. They eventually reached out to me about an opportunity to mentor for one of these companies that um, a lot of people don't like them. And I didn't like them until kind of I got exposure to them. They essentially get you off the street and they say, hey, do this test. We think it's this is a this is a test that tells us if you could be a programmer. If you pass it, for six months, we'll train you for free. I don't know if they pay. And then for a year and a half, you are bound to a contract where we put you, get you like real client work, pay you like almost like nothing. But like after a year and a half, break the contract. We don't have to pay us anything back. Stay with us. We'll pay you market rate or the client could acquire you during this time or you find another job. But at the end of it, you're a programmer, right? Like you're a working programmer. And that's what I realized with this thing is like people compare it to like taking advantage of people, which could be true, I think. Although I was brought on basically to these people who are put into these jobs, to, to these like assigned to these clients, just kind of thrown in the deep end, which I've been used to my whole life. And I would meet up with them like once a week and we'd see how we can solve some of their problems, right? So that was very much not mentoring. And that was like very real mentoring, I would say, like real life mentoring, because they come and be like, listen, this person isn't working with me. They're this, they're that. Like, how do I get through this? So that was really cool with learning that. That company is called Catalyte. And then that's when I got exposed to Springboard. They contacted me. And that's very much like a bootcamp, self-paced, six to nine months. You can finish that bootcamp, become a software engineer. And I'm involved there as like a weekly mentor, I meet with like about four to five people for half an hour every week. And we go through anything, like any kind of questions they have. It might be about the course. It might be anything. And that's really cool because like sometimes there might be like some, like yesterday, a person's front end, they had a front end bug. We had to debug for half an hour that I knew nothing about. And then Mm. the next person was a database bug. That was really interesting because auto increment wasn't working. And we found out that basically it was like debugging 101 and just like figuring out what could be the problem. And eventually it turned out that if you didn't set the database to auto increment and then make the table, it wouldn't work. You have to make the table after you auto increment because there's like the table expects things to be null when you give it like an ID as null and no auto increment. So I didn't know that at all, but that's the kind of cool thing with mentoring is like people, you can get any kind of issue, kind of code metric could be like that too. You just kind of get any issue and you're like, oh shit, this is how you solve it, right? So that's where it's really cool. Sometimes people are just like, well, I need to get a job. And that's what I also do for Springboard. They have a post-completion mentor. People will finish the program, but can't find a job. So really, I just sit down with them and explore like, okay, is there an assignment you're doing right now? Is there anything 
the portfolio thing you want me to look at? Do you want me to test you a little bit? Just figuring out any way of getting them, uh, getting them forward. So pretty much, I know that's a long-winded answer, but that's pretty much like my mentoring experience so far has been really cool that way. Nice. No, that, that sounds awesome. And I love the journey, right? That's not just you signed up for one mentoring thing, but you kind of went on a journey of like doing small mentoring gigs and that led into larger mentoring ones. It's really interesting. It's kind of just like debugging on demand in some ways, right? <laughs> yeah, it's weird, but it's fun. It's like, I don't know how to compare it to anything, but like, it's just kind of like it's a dopamine hit. Because there's a lot of panic where you're like, oh, time's running out. Oh, can I do this? (laughs) (laughs) Well, typically, as we wrap up, we love to support each other as a community. And so we just love to hear if there's anything that you've been involved in or anything that you've worked on that you'd like to share with the community that you think they might find helpful. Yeah, I mean, I'm on Twitter here. I'm trying to kind of get at this whole online presence thing. I'm really trying to like bring my mentoring to more people that way. Right now, like I'm not have anything like uh, people could pay for or anything like that. I'm just kind of doing like, hey, helpful tweets. I meet up for coffee chats from time to time. And I have kind of like a, a report that I kind of give away for free about like, you know, just getting you more on the right path to coding. More I use that to like people just to give them some idea. If they DM me on Twitter, I can like just answer their questions. I am like, I did have a course recently that I'm reworking about like how to find your first coding job. It's like from a culmination of my experience about seeing people like, because the industry really addresses the fact fact that there's three phases, I'd say. The first phase is learning coding and getting competent enough. That's like overdone. Tons of people have courses on that and boot camps and all that stuff. The next phase is getting your first job. That's really, really hard to do. And I think like the guy, Lionel from 100 Devs, that free bootcamp, he does a very good job of getting people thinking about that very, very quickly, right? Even when they first start. So this kind of course was a combination of like, well, you got to that stage. How do you now cross that barrier? What are some strategies to get you that first job? So that's like, I'm trying to figure out the best way to get that across to people from all my experience mentoring so far, talking to people, especially bootcamp people for the past like two years. So working on that a bit. And then just to mention the third phase, and I don't know, I'll do something about this soon is when you get that first job, how do you keep it? Mm. A lot of times people think I got my first job, but I also had people I've been mentoring that like, they got into horrible, horrible job situations where they're a developer, but they're like, well, they hired like five junior devs with one senior and the senior doesn't even have time. You know, it's like nightmare, nightmare, nightmare situations or like, oh, they're going to junior devs and they told us like build this huge system. And they're like, why can't you do this? So like, there's a lot of stuff there that I feel like you could survive those situations. People do thrive on them, but a lot of people fail in those situations because it's hard. So that's something I'm, I'm also, I've been talking about more of that on my YouTube channel. Um, I haven't linked it on my, on my Twitter yet until like, I, I think I get a hundred subscribers. I can have my own short link or something. So I've been exploring that, like adding on YouTube and stuff like that. The course, I don't know. That's just kind of like uh, leisurely doing that. And, uh, you know, I probably like for me, like I'd, I'd like to charge something for it, probably nominal, like 20, 30 bucks just to see if there's any uh, request for that. But anyways, like I think mostly find me on Twitter, follow me, DM me. I'm happy to answer any questions. Coffee chats, even if I have time, uh, those are pretty hard. And YouTube channel right now, just to, as you can see, I like to ramble, I like to talk. So I'm like, pick a topic, go on camera and just go ham. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yeah, so... If you all want to hear more from Hussein, follow him on Twitter. And you know, as he does anything else, like 
YouTube videos or the course he's talking about, I'm sure he'll he'll share that with his Twitter. So that's the best way to kind of keep in touch and see what he's up to. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, Hussein, thank you so much for joining. It's been a pleasure to chat and just kind of hear about your story. Yeah, like I think what you're doing is really awesome, Eddie. Just like, you know, you're connecting with a lot of people and, uh, you know, I got to connect with you. I see your posts all the time. And now, like, yo, I see your posts. I like that shit. No problem. <laughs> you know, like, Eddie, he's the guy, you know? Thanks for joining us for episode 24. It was like a game of chicken with Hussein Kayyum. You can find out more about Hussein on his Twitter at Hussein underscore coding. You can find links to everything we talked about in this episode, as well as a link to Hussein's Twitter in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, well, help others discover it as well. Give us a shout out on Twitter and think about tagging a friend or a coworker that you think would enjoy it. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter to stay up to date at WebJoyFM. And maybe subscribe to our newsletter because who knows when Twitter will go down in a dumpster fire. Thank you for listening and have a great day.